most of us have noticed that uh, over the last couple, uh, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about spiritual pursuits. Uh, when Pastor Musipe uh, introduced the series on, on on spiritual pursuits, he encouraged us to go and dig wells that will forever run around those pursuits that he shared with us. He shared with us 14 pursuits, uh, which I will list them in no specific order. The, the, he shared with us that we should go and ensure that in our lives, in everything that we do, we pursue Jesus. He also encouraged us that we should go pursue love. Love for God, love for each other, love for our neighbors, and love for the unsaved. He encouraged us as well that we must go and pursue faith in our lives. That the Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. So if we want to be Christians who God looks up, uh, uh, who God looks upon and says, there is my child in whom I, will, I am well pleased. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to be that child that God looks at and says, I am pleased with you, my child. He encouraged us to go and pursue unity. You know, unity does not only need to happen in Barcelona when there are many, many people. The moment there are two people or more, there's room for conflict. There's room for disagreement. But from that moment when there's two or three gathered, we need to ensure that we pursue unity in all that we do and in all that we say. He also encouraged us that we need to go pursue prayer. Prayer in our lives, prayer for our lives, prayer for the body of Christ, and prayer for the people who are not saved. He spoke about worship. He encouraged us to go and pursue holiness, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, generosity, stewardship, a servant heart, fear of the Lord, and the calling and gifting of the Lord. So there were 14 all in all. Uh, I think they will come up just now. Uh, the spiritual pursuits that Pastor Musipe said, as a church, this is where we are going. For us to be able to move forward as a church, we need to move off the same base. We need to know that we value the same things and we need to know that we are pursuing the same things. But as I went over and I read these spiritual pursuits, even though Pastor Musipe preached them in the context of us as a church, but these are the values and the qualities that we need as Christians for us to be effective. So we don't only need to go pursue these qualities for the sake of the body of Christ, but for our lives as well. You know. So what I want us to do today, I want us to go and speak about pursuing these spiritual uh, pursuits in the context of the individual and us as a church. So we will see what does the Bible say about us pursuing these uh, qualities and how should we as individuals conduct ourselves in the pursuit of these qualities. And what is the role of the church? What is the role of the body of Christ uh, as far as these qualities are concerned? I'd like us to read in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 12. And I don't have my Bible with me. So the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 12, it says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, 
and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So the Bible says to us, so the Bible is talking to us as individuals. It says, the same way that the body is made up of many parts, the same thing applies to Christ. The Bible continues and it says, we are, so let's read in uh, verse 13, we were, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. So the Bible is saying to us, remember when we come to Christ, we come to one Christ, one Lord. And we, were, we are all born and baptized by the one spirit, which is the spirit of Christ, so that we become part of one body. Now, if you think of childbirth, when a child is being born, you know, the hand is not born first, and the head comes next, and the foot comes next, and the child goes home, goes back the next day to fetch the, the other hand, and to fetch the ear, and goes back home, and goes back to fetch other parts. When the child is born, the child is born with the body parts. Hallelujah. So this is what the Bible says when it says, when we are baptized, we are baptized by one spirit, so that we form part of one body. So the Bible is saying to us, that Masopa, you are wearing a Paris t-shirt. Should I say congratulations or condolences? I try to hold myself. <laughs> so the Bible says it is one spirit through which we are all baptized so that we form one body. And that one body that the Bible is talking about is the church universal. So the, the Bible says even though the body has got many parts, even though the, the, the body of Christ which is the one church, has got many parts and many forms. There are many local churches across the whole world. Every single continent has got local churches. Some people met yesterday. Some will meet tonight in the evening. I know of some churches that don't meet at, at, at all on Sundays. That meet uh, during the week. But these are the different parts of the body of Christ. At the end of the day, we form one body. So, verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. That was verse 14. Verse 15. Now, if the, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of, of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? These things look obvious, ne? The Bible is saying if the whole body was an ear, you know, it would look very somehow, ne? You know, that an ear shows up here. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure we all know that if a hand shows up here, without the rest of the body, we know that something is wrong. We either call the cops or we call the hospital to come say, come and fetch the head. You know, the same thing happens with the head. If you're going home now after church and you see a head lying on the ground without a body, you know that that head does not exist on its own. The head doesn't exist for itself. It exists for the whole body. So the Bible is saying, as much as the whole body is not made up of an eye, or an ear. There are other senses that the body needs, which come from the rest 
of the body. Verse 19, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. So picture this, right? How many of us are students here? How many of us are writing metric? So Ayanda, you go to, are you writing maths on, on Tuesday? So you go to school on Tuesday, you write maths. The results will come out first week in January, and you have passed maths. Is it the hand that passed maths? Is it the head that passed maths? Is it the eyes that saw the question, the questions that, that passed maths? Who passed maths? It's the whole of Ayanda. So the Bible is saying to us, remember that each part of the body needs the other part. Ayanda can't send, send her hand to school to go write maths. She must, the whole of Ayanda has to be there. The eyes will look at the questions, the mind will translate the questions, and the mind will send a message to the hand to say, write two over here. If two is the right, don't write two, Ayanda. <laughs> So the mind will say to Ayanda, I have factorized this theorem and my answer is two. So write two over here. It is not the mind that writes the two. It is not the eyes that write the two, but it is the body. Hallelujah. But the body doesn't, the hand doesn't take itself to school to go write maths. It needs the feet. It needs the muscles. The whole body has to be well and whole for it to be able to go and write the test. So the Bible is saying to us, as much as our bodies, our physical bodies, are made up of one, or are made up of many parts, at the end of the day, it's one body. When I succeed in life, the whole of me succeeds. If you are a soccer player and you score a goal with your leg, the leg doesn't go up, it's the hands that go up. The leg is not the one that, that screams goal, it's the mouth that screams goal. You know, so God wants us to realize that the same thing happens with his body. The same thing happens with the church. Many parts of the body, there are many of us here in church today, but we are all one body before the Lord. So I want us to take this view today to say, when we pursue these spiritual qualities that we spoke about, what are my responsibilities as an individual? What are the responsibilities of us as a church as a corporate. And where does it all start? So let us remember the qualities of the spiritual pursuits that we're talking about. It's Jesus, it's love, it's faith, it's unity, it's prayer, it's worship, it's holiness, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, generosity, stewardship, a servant heart, fear of the Lord, and the calling and gifting of the Lord, and giftings of the Lord. 
So let's start. For anything to start in life, it has to start somewhere. And there has to be growth. So the Bible is calling for us as individuals in the body of Christ to yearn for growth. I love the way that Luke puts it in, the, in, Luke, in Luke chapter 17 from verse 5 to 6. The Bible says, The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. If you check here, the Bible says, The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. It was the apostles as a unit. The Bible doesn't say 20% of the apostles went to the Lord and say, Increase our faith. They were all speaking as a corporate before Christ. And they say, Christ, increase our faith. And there are times in our lives as a church where we will go before the Lord and say, Lord, increase our heart to serve. We want to serve the needy in the community. We want to serve the poor in the community. We want to be able to provide food parcels for people who are needy in our midst and in the community. Increase our heart to serve as a church. And the Lord will hear us and he will answer us. But when you read it in the book of Second Peter chapter 1, the Bible speaks to us now as individuals. From verse 5, Peter writes and he says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness add knowledge, and to, to knowledge add self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. So verse 5, the Bible says, Make every effort to add. Now when you add, it means that things are increasing. You don't add one and one and remain with one. If your mess is right. Where's Ayanta? If your mess is right. If you add one plus one, you end up with a number that is more than one. Now the Bible is saying to us, we must make every effort to add. The Bible doesn't say you must make every effort to ask your pastor to add in your life. It doesn't say you must make every effort to pray for someone to add. It says you and I as individuals must make every effort to add in our lives. There are many ways to, to add. You can add through counseling. You can add through uh, mentoring. There are many ways that we can add these qualities in our lives. But the Bible is posing a challenge to us today. It's saying make every effort to add. Which means that everything that we do on a daily basis, it must work towards adding in these qualities. When you read in verse 8, the Bible says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we look at the spiritual pursuits that we have laid down as a church to say we are going to pursue them, they don't differ from what we read here in verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7. And the Bible is saying to us today, if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they, meaning those qualities, will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the obvious thing that the Bible is saying is that there are Christians who are ineffective. There are Christians who are unproductive. And it is possible for me as a Christian to find myself in a productive church and remain unproductive. It is very possible for me to find myself in a praying church and I don't pray. I can find myself in a giving church, in a church that is full of the fear of the Lord and I still don't fear the Lord. But the Bible is saying to us today, 
if we possess these qualities in increasing measure. So it means that these qualities must keep increasing in our lives. The faith I had last year should be less than the faith I have this year. The way that I live my life this year, as far as prayer is concerned, I must be praying more this year than I prayed last year. My giving should be better, should be more this year compared to last year. The way that people view me, when people say that person is holy, is because they look at the things that I do. They look at the things that I say. People must look at me, you know, maybe sometimes they'll end up calling you stupid because you are holy before the Lord. But the Bible is saying all these qualities, we need to possess them in increasing measure for us not to be uh, unproductive and ineffective. Now, it is not enough, saints, to possess these qualities and say, I've got it. Now, this is what happens when you become unproductive. When you become unproductive, time doesn't stand. When you become ineffective, people around you are not stagnant. The people around you are growing. They are maturing. They are learning new things in the Lord. They are becoming more and more effective and productive. At the end of the year, when you look around, you are going to realize that you are actually immature. Even though the previous year, when you finished the year, you were matured, but if we don't increase these qualities in our lives, we are going to be immature. Not because the qualities are not there, but because they are not in increasing measure. Hallelujah. So the Bible is, is challenging us today to say, make sure that the qualities that we see in the book of Second Peter, the effort is on our side to add them. And the effort is on our side to make sure that they keep increasing. But there are things that I want us to go and look at. Only three things that I want us to go and look at today. To say, in our pursuit of these qualities, what, about, what does the Bible prescribe as the way in which we should be pursuing these qualities? The first one is that we must set an example for, for other saints. The way that I pursue these qualities, it must be exemplary. It mustn't leave a bad taste in somebody's mouth. You know, that for the sake of holiness, I don't greet people anymore. I look at someone and I say to myself, I don't know where you were last night. I don't know what you were doing last night. I'm not going to hug you. What if you were committing sin uh, last night? The Bible does not want us to pursue these qualities to an extent that when some people look at us, they go like, I, if that is holiness, I, Lord, I know. Thank you, Lord. I don't want it. But the Bible says in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to Timothy and he says to him, don't let anyone look down upon you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So the way that I speak about the qualities of the Lord that I'm pursuing, it mustn't leave a bad taste in somebody's mouth. I mustn't go and pursue holiness at the expense of the word of God. I mustn't go and pursue the word of God at the expense of generosity. I mustn't go and pursue the fear of the Lord at the expense of loving other people around me. The Bible is saying in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity, and in all the other qualities that we saw in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. The Bible says to us, when we pursue those qualities, let us make sure that we are exemplary. Now, this is the benefit of being exemplary. 
If you are exemplar in the way that you pursue these qualities, you will find more and more people coming to you and say, you know, I realized a change in your life. You know, I realized that nowadays when you speak about prayer, you speak about prayer as if you know what prayer is. What, what changed in your life? But if we think we are pursuing these qualities in the Lord and no one in our midst ever comes to us and say, you know, can you please share with me about the fear of, of the Lord? If you think you are pursuing the fear of the Lord and there's no one here in our midst who thinks that you have got the fear of the Lord, the Bible says you are not doing it in an exemplary manner. So that's the first thing that the Bible says to us. Let us go be an exemplary in all that we do. The other thing that the Bible cautions us is found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, where the Bible says, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. So, so the Bible does recognize that some of us are stronger than others. So the, the, the Bible says, if the, if the Lord says, go and add faith and godliness, go and faith and add holiness, go and, and, and add love. The Bible says, when you go to add love in your life, make sure that you are not becoming a stumbling block to the weak. Make sure that after you have attained love, no one will come and say, I, my brother, the way in which you went about this, the way in which you went about sacrificing everybody in your family, because you wanted people in church to know you, you know, as the man of love. The way in which you pursued a servant heart. You know, every single meeting that we called in church, you were the first one to arrive here and you were the first one to leave, packing chairs and everything. But your family is suffering. Somebody in your family is going to come and say, and what church is this that this guy is going to? That he doesn't even take care of his own family. So in that way, we become a stumbling block for someone to get to know the Lord and for them to come and aspire to these qualities that the Lord wants us to aspire for. So the Bible says to us, those of us who are weak in our midst, if somebody who is weak in your midst comes and say, now I thought the Bible says we must be holy, but this thing that you are doing, I don't understand it. Where does it come from in the Bible? You know, the Bible tells us in the uh, way we read now in the book of First Corinthians chapter 8, you know, that uh, as far as meat sacrifice to the idols is concerned, the Bible says, eat the meat, don't eat the meat. It doesn't bring you any closer to God. The Bible says that thing is meat at the end of the day. God is the one that made it. The fact that a man takes it and says, with this meat I'm going to offer it unto the idol. The Bible says, eating that meat doesn't bring you any closer to God. And not eating that meat doesn't bring you any closer to God. So the Bible says, go ahead and eat. But look within your conscience. What have you learned from the word of God. Is your conscience telling you to eat? The Bible talks about love and knowledge. Knowledge will tell you, eat the meat. But love will say to you, if somebody, if your brother or your sister will see you eating the meat that has been sacrificed to, to, to idols, and it will be a stumbling block in their life, the Bible says, don't eat the meat. At the end of the day, not eating the meat doesn't mean that God says to you, you didn't eat the meat, you are not any closer to me. So let us go ahead, saints, and let us pursue these qualities in love and in knowledge. Hallelujah. The other thing that the Bible encourages us is found in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 6 to 9, where the Bible says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, 
it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. So, so the, the Bible says, even though you are pursuing the qualities that we see in the word of God, if in, in your pursuit of these qualities, you will cause somebody else to backslide. You will cause somebody else to sin. The Bible says, you are better off with a stone around your neck and drowning down the sea. Now, when it comes to judgment, uh, the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 14, verse 13, the Bible says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or a sister. So here we are as a church. As a church, we are pursuing a servant heart. The fact that we are pursuing a servant heart as a church, saints, it is not a competition. It is not a matter of seeing who, who has got the biggest servant heart. The moment you want to make it a competition, it becomes easy for you to, touch, to pass judgment on other people. It becomes very easy for you to say, but why is it that for us as LA women, we are able to do our functions and not ask for, for any help? But at the guys, Bako KFC, every single time there's a function, they call on men, they call on women, they call on everyone to come and help them to set up and everything. Tina, as the women, we are self-sufficient. The moment we get to, to that, we have missed it. But the Bible is saying to us, don't pass judgment. The moment you pass judgment, you are going to cause a brother and a sister to sin. Hallelujah. So that is the view that the Bible is giving us to say let us go be and let us go be exemplary and let us not go past judgment let us not go be a stumbling block to another sister or another brother in our pursuit of these qualities the bible also says to us we must encourage and we find this i'm going to read two passages now we find this in first corinthians chapter 6 in verse 12 and also in verse in chapter 12 of first corinthians so, verse 12 of chapter 6 in Corinthians, it says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. When you read uh, chapter 12 from verse 4 to 6, the Bible says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So the Bible is saying to us, when we go to pursue these qualities that the Bible says we must possess in increasing measure, let us not make these qualities our gods. Let us not be mastered by these qualities, but let us rather be mastered by the Lord who makes those qualities to work in us. So our pursuit of these qualities, saints, is that God will work in our lives. Not that the qualities will work in our lives minus God. Because it is possible to have a servant heart without God. It is possible for you to say, I'm going to serve another family. It is possible for you to wake up and say, I see a family next uh, to my house that is in poverty. The old lady is old. She's got no one to help her clean the house. Whether you are born again or not, you can have a servant heart and say, once a week I'm going to go to this old lady's house, I'm going to clean her house, and I'm going to cook her a meal. That's a servant heart. 
But the Bible is saying to us, if we want to be able to pursue these qualities and encourage other brothers, let us not let these qualities master us. But it must be God. Remember the Bible says it is the same spirit, different kinds of service, different kinds of working, but the same spirit. So we must strive that that spirit, that is God's spirit, is the one that will work in us through those qualities that we are going to pursue. Hallelujah. Now, the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 4. The Bible says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body, and, individ and individually members of one another. So the Bible is saying to us, the same way that I've got a body, and the body has got many parts. The many parts, in our minds, we might think that the parts are working on their own, but the Bible actually says those parts, individually, they are members of one another. They are members of the body first, and after that, they become members of one another. So, which means that when you are sitting here, you are connected to the person sitting next to you. If God has placed in you generosity, that you must go and excel in generosity, Generosity, and you don't go and excel, the Bible is saying the person sitting next to you is actually feeling the pain. The same way that when the hand doesn't pull its weight as far as a task is concerned, it is not only the hand that is held behind, but the whole body is held behind. So let us remember that individually we are connected to one another. And individually we are members of the one body. So let's ask a question. Uh, you were watching Paris last night, I suppose. Okay. So Paris scored a goal last night. Who scored? Uh, Saints, don't pretend like you didn't watch the game. Who scored for Paris last night? Machala. Or Machaba. Machaba scored. Was it a header or was it a... He scored with the foot or with the arm or with the shoulder? With the foot. So Machaba scored for Paris last night with his foot. But my lover's foot cannot come and say, I scored, I scored. When I hand, don't celebrate. I'm the one that scored. So this is what the Bible says when it says individually we are members of each other. 